Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hello. Welcome, folks. What's going on? Okay, I'm going to start off by saying, did I tell you that we're not a Star Wars show? (laughs) We're not a Star Wars show, but guess what? We do like it. We are back to the galaxy far, far away, and I could not be more excited to... uh, Can't believe we're here. To bring... uh, Yeah. It's crazy. Glad to be back, to have the three of us back together, to be able to uh, riff on some Star Wars. I know how much we love it, and... uh, my God. Um, You're just giving us more to love. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves it, too. It's amazing. Everybody universally says it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, so uh, it's 2022. This is our officially our first uh, episode of 2022. So I hope everybody out there uh, who is listening and who is watching live with us tonight, I hope you guys had a great holiday season. Hope you had a wonderful new year uh i was what was it like for you guys pretty quiet very quiet yeah yeah that's what happens uh, when nice, you're... Though. Uh, it was it was quiet for us too i think I, I said the other day yesterday actually i said i think my uh my days of new year's parties are, are pretty much over <laughs> yeah i i mean uh, it's uh falling on saturdays like the holidays did i i, I work friday and i work monday and so sure, it doesn't sure. it didn't feel like anything this year except saturday yeah 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 um I just want to uh, put a, a disclaimer out there, a full disclaimer for those of you who are watching tonight, uh, whether it's live tonight or you're watching this later on when it's uh, re-uploaded. I want to apologize uh, for the inconsistency uh, of the slides that we're going to use tonight. I, I spent a couple of days working at this, but uh, I, I put in so much time into it. I did not have enough time to go back and and polish some of the early stuff, which given now that I, I have that experience behind me, I uh, will uh, promise that I won't do that again. Oh, maybe, (laughs) maybe. But here we are. We're back to talk Star Wars. And of course, um, Andy, you had mentioned this week that there was a lot more to come uh, for 2022. And I thought we would start off with just a quick little uh, blurb on that by just kind of sharing and talking about what is coming in uh, 2022 for Star Wars television. There is quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think I realized that all of this was in 2022. Of course, we're here. We are at the yeah. uh, the book of Boba Fett here. So we get seven more episodes. Yeah, before it's over. That's right. That's right. So uh, eight weeks of this. I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, the slide doesn't really give us any indication of when things are going to drop, and and I don't have any inside 
scoop on when these things are coming. But I mean, you look at the episode count for everything that's there. Uh, there are several hours worth of uh, Star Wars television coming this that's year. Not just taking, yeah, that's not a, taking into account any of the Marvel stuff that they're going to be. Well, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. I, I, Ahsoka's missing from that list, but I mean, if this is official, I guess it's official. But I had heard her bantered around in 2022 as well. Well, maybe there's room for her to pop up in some of the other things, like. I already, and we're going to get to this later. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a real stretch, but I actually thought for a moment there that they were doing something in the, in the episode, this week's episode of uh, Boba Fett, that may be something to overlap with Obi-Wan, but I'm not sure. I think it's pretty, it's such a far stretch, but who knows? We'll see when we get to it. But uh, personally, I'm uh, most excited for, uh, uh, obviously for Obi-Wan. He's my, my favorite character. I absolutely Mm. love the character, but I am really, really intrigued about what they are going to do with Andor. Yeah, I've, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I've got high hopes for all of these things. I'm, I'm really enjoying this ride so far. Um, yeah, they, they, they seem to have, uh, they, they've got it going on, especially with these TV properties. Those, the, the, uh, the two episodes, the two seasons, rather, of the Mandalorian right. were just stellar, and. Uh, I just I, I I've been saying it for a bit now, and I'm, I'm probably a felony file, I guess, at this point. But I, I trust <laughs> you and me those, both. I trust those guys know what they're doing, you know. And this is not a, uh, it's not 39 minutes, and that's it. It's it's a slow burn. It's going to last years. It's been yeah. building for yeah. years, and it's we're we're still in the in the middle of the beginning of it. Like there's so much more to come, and I couldn't be more excited. This is this is the. Uh, the renaissance era of star wars it's, it's a golden age it's a great time to be a fan it's a great time to be an adult to be able to spend the money on i mean creatively speaking we've talked about this before i think we all agree that the right people are uh, helming the ship yep. yeah i know that no. produ- producers come up an awful lot in hollywood and really i mean kathleen kennedy probably you know deals with more shade uh in hollywood than than most producers but really for her to have the trust in uh, Dave and John and all the creative team behind the Mandalorian. And now the book of Boba Fett, Robert Rodriguez, who is now helming this entire series for us. Thank you for that. Uh, we certainly do. We certainly like it. I, I like it. I appreciate it. To be a fly yeah. on the wall while he's sitting there playing out the episode uh, with his action figures, yep. <laughs> storyboarding everything with his action figures. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, I just want to get into the sort of uh, before, uh, before we get into the breakdown, just just cursory, what was your first impression, guys? Not bad, not bad at all. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it, <laughs> a few things aside because I watched it on my phone; it was quite dark, and I thought some plot yeah. points were slightly different. Maybe I don't know, not cooler, <laughs> but different. Um, I mean, I was suitably impressed. I, uh, I, I, my expectations were pretty. I, I mean, I guess they were high because the the quality of the stuff that's come before, but. It, this is like a tabula rasa here. We have a blank slate. There's not a lot known about the character. So uh, it's, you can go a lot of places with him. You can do anything with him. And I mean, aside from taking him completely out of the armor, that might be the only thing that would be weird to me. You could pretty much go any direction with them because it's all, it's all untold. That sentiment has come up a lot, sort of. That's one of the other things about pushing our show back another day is we get one more day to actually uh, look at what the fan communities are saying. And sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's, it's pretty on point and other times it's like, what are you 
talking about? Did you watch the same show? Right. I did, did we not? We didn't watch the same thing, did we? No. I will yeah. say this. If I could sum up this episode in just one line, I would say that the first episode of the book of Boba Fett more than anything else shows that shows us that Boba Fett is a man and not just his armor. Yeah. Right. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, they basically strip it right away from him right in the opening episode. Take away the armor and see what he's got left. Right. And I think that therein lies maybe one of the biggest complaints of the episode is when you strip away the armor, you strip away the mystery. Yeah. But at the same time, it fills in those plot hole gaps. Like, you know, where did, how did he get out of the Sarlacc and how the hell did Cobb Vanth get it? Right. And now we're kind of getting our pieces at a time and it's going to come crashing together at some point. And there's a certain segment of the fan population that would say that the mystery or uh, another good example is uh, in episode four, Obi-Wan basically part, uh, imparts a couple of anecdotes about the Clone Wars. And some people would argue that Obi-Wan's anecdotes are better than the, the depictions of those anecdotes. I don't know if I agree with that. No, I, like it's Wolverine syndrome, right? Yeah. But Wolverine is still hugely popular. Even oh, absolutely. After all yeah. the backstory has been filled in. I'm a huge fan of more is more and where my star Wars is concerned. As you say, Hank, we are in a Renaissance where, you know, like it or not, all those little plot holes are getting filled and, and other uh, branches of the, of the franchise are getting fleshed out. I think it stems from, like you said earlier, Hank, your head cannon. And yeah, you're just afraid of what somebody's going to do with it because they're not you. Right. But when right. you have someone like Filoni or Favreau and Rodriguez doing it, you're pretty safe. So I was talking, I was talking about this with my wife a little um, today and um, uh, around the house, I, I have a controversial opinion about the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan the of new the Spider-Man one. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I won't get into it. <laughs> and I actually won't attack it for hate's sake. Cause there were so many redeeming things about it. Yes, there are. But, in terms of a character like Boba Fett, when people are coming going, this isn't what Boba Fett would do. This isn't what Boba Fett would think. This isn't what he would say. This isn't how he would scowl at a piece of uh, dirt. This isn't how he would fly a ship. <laughs> we, we actually don't know any of that. Thank we, you. <laughs> we don't know any of it. We don't, we've had two minutes and eight seconds of live action footage. We've had a few episodes of sporadic pieces of stuff from That's when right. he was a child, yeah. uh, from the Clone Wars. We've seen we, we, arguably the coolest thing we've seen yet out of them is is uh a, an episode of clone wars in a, in a gunfight that may or may not be canon in a uh, in an animatic that yeah right? we don't know if, if where about him. now there's i don't know that, that gaffy stick fight was pretty good in mandalorian and there's about 30 or 40 <laughs> canon comic books well they're in. all about boba fett and, and and just recently wrapped up the war of the bounty hunters and it tells the story of how Boba Fett loses the carbonite body of Han Solo yeah. and then has to fight everybody in the friggin' galaxy to get it back. And I swear, guys, if they even bring a, an ounce of the character that they've done that Charles Sewell has wrote in these comic books, yeah. this we're in for a hell of a ride. Because uh, he's not a one-dimensional, I'm going to disintegrate you guy. He's very nuanced. He's 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 got... He has compassion. He, he he's not going to shoot somebody in the back. He has a code of honor. All these right. things are apparent in the comics, and a lot of people can't or won't do the work. And so that 
And I know a lot of the purists are like, oh, I should just be able to watch 39 minutes and get the whole story. But that's not what Star Wars is anymore. No, not, not anymore. Marvel comics are anymore. You know, it's, it's you don't it, have to it, jam it in there. You can flesh right. it out over and, so many and episodes. Peel it back. And, and it's, I don't think it takes away anything not knowing that comic stuff, but certainly if it, 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 it adds to it. 100% it adds to it. That's where I am with cool it. Things that could be told. That's exactly where I am with it. I think that that's what what uh, part of what makes our show what it is is that uh, I I don't have the intrinsic knowledge of the comic books and I rely on you guys to bring that to the table, which makes for better conversation. But I think that that is maybe the the only criticism I will say about that is, as you say, those other materials, whether it's the young uh, the young adult uh, novels or the 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 mainline novels or the comic books should never take away from the visual experience because star That's Wars right. is a visual medium. That's right. But if it, if it can add something, I'm all for it. Sure. Why not? Yeah, that's, that's right. And I, I guess my counterpoint to that would be, and the reason I had several problems with Spider-Man was because I have thousands of hours uh, spent with that character invested. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that, I don't own the intellectual property and I could get into those arguments and, and you know how we have ownership over it and gatekeeping sure. and all that other stuff. And I won't take it that far, but it's, it's one of those things where I, I do have a, I do have a set pattern in my head, the way that Peter Parker would perform. And my argument is if I have constructive criticism about that, I think that I could bring a valid point to it, but there's nobody, nobody can have constructive criticism against a character that we don't, know anything about anything about so that's what i would say is if there were thousands of hours of boba fett lore and he was going against things people might have a leg to stand on they don't fair enough and i i certainly appreciate that so i want to just touch on uh when we talked about the uh the disney plus day and we or we did the trailer breakdown yeah um i want to mention that um i i had made some what i would say relatively bold predictions about the show <laughs> yeah um i just want to say <laughs> y- yay me yay me because i actually got some this time <laughs> you did you actually did yeah fully did i pulled a couple off yeah. um the other thing is and i've said this before and and uh, i'm gonna say it again just like with the bad batch um the first time through i wasn't i wasn't fully warmed up to it Mm-hmm. But in my subsequent watchings, for the purpose of our show, um, again, as I've said before, when you watch something with your review eyes on, right. you are looking at it in a completely different way. And the more that I scrutinized, the more I enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's very um, true. With, Sometimes it can uh, be the other way around. And that yeah. I find with this, that's absolutely, I, I find more meat, more gr- oh, me uh, too. marrow in the bone, if you will. Yeah, with uh, with four <laughs> four viewings now, uh, three of which have been uh, under the microscope. I am very warmed up to the show, so I want to say that the episode one, I think, is a good start. I think we're going to get a lot of the things that we talked about uh, this this dual uh, storytelling uh, that they're doing, where some of it is in the Mandalorian uh, universe present, and then some of it, which is in the past, so, sort of, sort of, of Return of the Jedi. Too. Yeah, yeah. Arguably very much. The, the best gangster movie ever made. Uh, yeah. Uh, straight out of Godfather 2, which is following uh, ostensibly the same character in two timelines. And 
from watching it play out and having having things in the past inform the future and having things in the future inform things in the past yeah yeah uh, we, we we i mean this goes deep man we should get going it goes on deep the, right, right from the title on the subject of flashbacks uh the, the episode just uh for for uh reference sake the episode is only 34 minutes and 40 seconds without your credits 20 minutes and 26 seconds of that is in the past. That's right. <laughs> so like two thirds of the episode is a flashback. That's right. He calls them dreams. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He does. We've got our first comment coming in tonight. We've got uh, Dr. Derpy on YouTube who says episode one was good. Wasn't perfect, but a good way to open a new chapter of star Wars. And I'm curious how it will go. Uh, from here, seven out of ten. Doctor Derpy, score. thank you for that comment. I agree with you. It is definitely uh, it, it's high praise, and it deserves it. Yeah, uh, this is we're just never the going shot. We're never going to get perfect. Uh, per, uh, because Derpy, you're perfect, and my perfect, and Wes is perfect, <laughs> and any perfect are all different. So we're never ever going to. You know what I mean? We're gonna. Yeah. If if you're calling it a seven out of ten, and I'm a little higher, and Wes is in that range, like then we're that that's perfect common ground where we're enjoying something on a level and uh, taking a little bit different things out of it. Yeah. Um, but we're never going to get, I don't, I, I don't want to say that. I don't know if we'll ever get 10 out of 10 star Wars. I mean, I don't know the final don't episode know if I of, see uh... that because then I'll never get it again and again and again. So I, I love to skirt close to that edge, but never maybe go over it. Man, uh, season finale, season two of The Mandalorian was a nine plus for me. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and if you if you hit me over the head with a, another Han Solo cameo, and then next week we get you know uh, yep. Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock comes back to life and uh, has yeah. sex with with uh, <laughs> Grandma Tarkin or something. Like, too much can be too much of a good thing. So sure, like, can. hopefully it's crafty and hopefully it, it's a uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, seven out of ten is a good score. That's it's, it's a solid opener for sure. All right, you guys ready to do this? Yeah, man. All right, let's do it. This is the way we do it here on Fandom Power. This one is the Book of Boba Fett. It's episode one. It is called Stranger in a Strange Land. The episode debuted on uh, Disney Plus Wednesday, December 29th. It has a runtime of 39 minutes if you stayed right to the end of the international credits. Or as I had said before, it's 34 minutes and 40 seconds without. Um, I know it's not a Star Wars thing, but I just made a note here. There is no post-credit scene. So if you were hanging around waiting for something, you're wasting your time. This one is written by John Favreau and is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Well, I wouldn't call it a waste of time. A lot of people work mm-hmm. for the credits. Nice so the, yes, and you know we get here we get that the uh, the the uh, production art which I love. I yeah, love I was that. just gonna say if you yeah, if you are interested uh, as as uh, action figure collectors, if you guys were interested in the credit collection, then uh, you have an idea of what to expect. Although, did you catch in the credits this week there was some uh, original Macquarie art? I did see that. There was some Macquarie art in there from uh, from Return of the that. Jedi. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fantastic stuff. Oh, wait, right. I got to start with the title, man. Um, Exodus two twenty two. Yeah, Moses referring to himself. Stranger oh, yeah. in a strange land. Stranger in a strange land. The sojourner, the 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 uh, the trespasser, if you will. And it's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, in John and Dave, we do trust. Thank you, yeah. Doctor Derby. Yeah. yeah, right, right at the biblical reference too. It's a. Uh, 
it's it's not lost on me that the the, the character of Moses was you know um, lost in the desert, raised, raised up to the level. Well, that I mean, on the surface, certainly lost in the desert, but raised up to the level of a Pharaoh's son, and then stripped of everything he had, and made to wander that desert, and be you know become the leader of a nomadic people. Uh, so we're getting led down. We're we're, we're getting both stories, and except that the, you know him. Both of that is Moses. Let's go right All after. Right. Right after this, that that Exodus two twenty two sets up Moses's biggest moment, and that's sure. talking to the burning bush. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's go. Boba Fett's on a journey. All right. So let's start with this one here. Our episode opens with an exterior panning shot of Jabba's palace. Presumably, the scene is set in the time just after the conclusion of season two of The Mandalorian. So roughly five, or perhaps even six years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Uh, I had to do a split screen on this because I it, it was jaw dropping when I saw it. It is undeniable at how evocative the scene is of Return of the Jedi by using that same camera angle. That's right. Uh, and the same side of the building. There are some minor changes though uh, since Jabba's demise. You can see that there's at least two small towers that have been added. One at the front of the main monastery building and another one on the wall that uh, surrounds the whole compound. All right. We can also see that the, uh, you know, the, the rock formation where the, the frog used to sit, mm-hmm. it's now been weathered away. Yeah. So that's I, like props to the guys for doing this. Sandstorms of tattooing. Yeah. 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 From there, uh, the camera is going to pass through some more familiar places. Like uh, we're going to get a shot of the uh, inside of the front gate, which is like, I had to stop for a second and go, did they lift this directly out of Jedi and just clean up the negative? Like what's going on here? <laughs> but then we hit the stairwell in the courtroom. And now we start to see some of the differences, like, you know, the, the lighting has changed a little bit, but I mean, it, it's just the attention to detail on the recreation is just, staggering yeah. here yeah it's fantastic then we pan over towards jabba's plinth and uh it's still the same plinth only now we've got a throne on it and of course the the barbecue spit that apparently nobody ever saw it before <laughs> before that last episode of the mandalorian like hey is there a, was there a barbecue always there yeah well, apparently there was there was well there's a reason bib fortuna looked like he did that's true uh finally the uh the camera uh, zooms in on a room that we've never seen before. Um, but I went back into the marketing materials and pulled some stuff out of the uh, trailer one. And we can surmise that this is uh, Boba's private quarters at the top of the, uh, the main tower, or the, the, the main tower off of the, the monastery building. Mm-hmm. The room's most predominant feature is a uh, long white cylinder. It's a back to pod and inside lays the infamous bounty hunter Boba Fett. Who now looks much who now looks much healthier than we saw him at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. All right. I gotta say, uh, I had predicted, I had hoped, I'm gonna say I had hoped that they were going to uh do something with the uh the Bomar mythology there. Remember we talked about the healing crystals? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so much for healing crystals, but really (laughs) show's just getting started. Bacta was the obvious answer, I do believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Derpy, uh, back on YouTube, says props to the composer of the Boba Fett theme. It's a banger. Uh, so that is, correct me on that, I can't pronounce his uh, Goranson. It's the same composer 
Ludwig. who is composing the Mandalorian. Ludwig. Ludwig Göransson yeah. is the same composer from uh, the Mandalorian, and his work is fantastic. All right, inside the uh, uh, where are we at here? Inside the Bactopod, Boba's rest is fitful, and he winces as troubling dreams begin to haunt him. And we are immediately given a, a quick sort of uh, run through of uh, some memories of Geonosis and uh, Camino. Uh, shot that's a new shot of Camino. I don't think that's a reuse of anything. And uh, there's uh, Slave One sitting on the uh, the land pad in the Django Fett colors. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cut across over to the uh, arena at uh, Geonosis, and uh, we looked at the split shot of this earlier in the week. There's uh, there's a few things missing here. You know, mm-hmm. the uh, the droid count is a little thin, uh, as are the there's no uh, Jedi bodies, mm. and uh, the reek, the reek beast, is absent from this. So this is another one that's been recreated with a new or another child actor. Yeah, so I a lot of the stuff I've read about this, it, uh, and I there's no evidence to support this at all uh, as fact, but they're saying this was an an alternate shot from uh, Attack of the Clones that, uh, in unused footage. Really, yeah, which would explain you know what it absolutely could be. Uh, yeah. I just, so it, I, just I, I read that two or three times. I couldn't tell you what the source is right now, but no, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so again, I just wrote it off to a new one. Yeah, to it's a recreation, beautiful. especially the I thought fully that if, the, if it was a recreation the the image of uh, young daniel logan reflected in the helmet in the t-visor yeah fantastic amazing yeah amazing. very very good uh watching the episode uh as we do for review purposes with both the descriptive audio and subtitles on um <laughs> i want to just talk i want to touch on the helmet for a second because this is something that has come up man uh times. what what year what season of Clone Wars did young Boba attempt to seek revenge on Mace Windu with the helmet bomb? Season two, episode 20. I'm not, I'm not keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like how many years ago? A couple. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So 2010. Uh, descriptive audio lady, who I have to say is, is exquisite in the way she narrates, uh, on the nose tells us that Django's helmet is in fact Beskar. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's going to spark the argument again. Was it the real helmet used in the helmet bomb? And I'm going to go out and say, no, that it was a proxy. Yeah. So I re- I went back and I rewatched that very episode. That's kind of, and those, that actual, that, that run of episodes, because most of the episode, it gets lost, but it's about R2 trying to save Anakin. Right. Right. And uh, Mace after the explosion. But the reason that Mace knows who it was and therefore, when they arrest Boba at the end, they, you know, it's it's understood. Yeah. Because he's holding the helmet in his hands after the explosion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the paint is scuffed on it, but it is still intact. It's still intact. I, I never remembered that. I, I, I sort of, I thought it had been destroyed. I, yeah. I, I might have just watched it like 10 years ago with a And just forgotten about it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in the, uh, there's a, there's a book out, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, 40th Anniversary. Others like uh, I can't remember what the book's called, but it's, it's got all these weird facts and different sure. little stories from the the set and stuff. And there's there's a little blurb that says um, that he uh, that it, it, it's his father's armor. Yeah, he reused his father's yeah. armor, and yes, they they never really say whether he reused the helmet part, but it might be taken for road. I. I, you know, after having rewatched it and, and well, uh, I, th- 
I think if, it might it might be there are there are slight variations to to the two helmets. If we're going to uh, use uh, if we're going if we're going to go on the assumption that the helmet bomb is the uh, original is the real McCoy as we are looking at right now on our slide, then I'm going to have to go out and say that animatic cannot be canon because there is no way a blaster pistol is going to dent Beskar. Uh, if a explosive will not blow it out to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, or at least deform. unless unless there's a way to tune a blaster, because we see I suppose you know, that's some true. kind of blasters just taking Mandalorians out. Well, no, you're absolutely weapons. right. Yes, yes. We have so an interesting I, comment in here. Cannon, you could tune a blaster. Fair enough. Uh, we've got a, a comment from Facebook from an anonymous uh, user who says, why didn't Django's head fall out of the helmet? I've oh, always wondered there. that. Now, uh, Facebook user, if you uh, have access to the film, I want you to go back to that sequence and I want you to put it in your Blu-ray player and I want you to watch <laughs> it frame by frame because as yes, the helmet as the helmet is flying through the air, we can see the shadow of Django's head fall out of the helmet, even though we do yeah. not see the actual head. That's right. So Before he, he picks it up. So it doesn't it pick there. it up and it just sloughs out yeah. like uh, yeah, yeah. Cranberry, cranberry dressing or whatever. It, uh, it, can, it actually comes out. Canberry comes, dressing. Canberry dressing. It comes Mando out berries. of the helmet on uh, Mace Windu's cut. Yes. So, yeah, it was actually, it was pretty controversial actually when people first slowed it down and went, whoa, that's dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... And then after the little uh, childhood dream sequence, we shift... And it's the moment that we've all been waiting for for 38 years. We finally get to Boba's escape from the Sarlacc. Now, before we get to that, I want to just touch on the Legends escape because there are two uh, Legends uh, versions of the escape that both essentially uh, rely on Boba using his jetpack. But there apparently... Well, so here we go. So there was an attempt to reconcile both of those into one continuity, which actually means that not only did he fall in there once and get out, but he did it twice. That's right. So it's kind of, which in that, in that respect, what we saw on the episode is, is clearly uh, better than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Where are we at here now? Uh, Oh, no, never noticed that. Yes. Mark Mace is a mean mother. Boop. (laughs) <laughs> it says on the wallet that's what it's it says that's, that's so true all right so uh somewhere in the gullet of the almighty sarlacc an unconscious boba fett comes to struggling to breathe he notices a dead stormtrooper a short distance away dragging himself by the sarlacc's own entrails boba is able to get close enough to the trooper to pull an airline from the dead soldier's helmet stuffing the line up under his own helmet he takes a few deep breaths <sighs> Then, punching through the beast's intestine, he ignites his flamethrower, presumably killing the Sarlacc in the process, thus allowing him to climb back to the desert surface. No, it was just heartburn. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just want to go around uh, round table yeah. here. How long does everybody think he was down for? Okay. Uh, at least uh, a while. He was getting, you know, somewhat digested. So I, I came at this a couple of different angles. He was either in there 24 hours and that's the air supply. It runs out. His helmet's pressurized. And that's yep. why he wakes up when he runs out of air, actually. But the other theory is that the yep. air supply is not that long and that he's actually there late afternoon. And uh, that's like 
I would say Jabba brought them out to the pit of Carcoon maybe first thing in the morning, just after dawn. Sure. Uh, so he could have been there as as late as 24 hours and as early. Mm-hmm. Oh, pull the camera down again. As early as uh, maybe six to 10 hours, I would say. Not you very know, long at all. Long enough that whatever combustible materials on the sail barge had burned themselves out. Yeah, because there was no visible smoke in the back. No, nothing. So uh, it, it was it was a hundred percent smoking when the Jawas pulled up at night. Funny because it's not in the daylight shot. I know, hmm. but it, it's smoking, and when the isn't Jawas that weird? Up, yeah, that's I mean, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually catch that. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go back and look it's for that. Mostly made of metal, right? What's it gonna burn? Uh, that's true. All right, so. Uh, the victory uh, oh, the victory is small as Boba is still weakened from his ordeal and probably very hypoxic. I assume that the couple of breaths were just enough to clear the fog. And, yeah. uh, and then, of course, he now he's got to punch his way through, burn his way through and then dig through all that sand to get out. No wonder, you know, he just falls asl- or falls unconscious. Well, 100%. Again, and clearly it's it's, you know, it's eaten through his. Uh his jumpsuit it's i mean when you when after the jawas put the light on him it's bleached sure. it white and we know it to be gray like oh yeah dirty that's gray. right that's right the, the acids have bleached it white do you want to talk about the stormtrooper for a second i know that that's come up a few times on uh, different uh, different fan uh, uh yeah, platforms yeah. what do we think about the stormtrooper being down there he's been uh, there since uh, new hope well <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure i mean jabba feeds a lot of people to the sarlacc like that's kind of his thing right it's like Ooh, I got a new Sarlacc. Let's do this for the very first time. Right. You don't get the impression that he's got a boat built just for that. The biggest question was that goes out over it. And yeah, why you know, is there a stormtrooper down there? Right. This I is mean, like his level two above a rancor. He's like, okay, of course, you, you've pissed me off times two. Now you're going to the pit of Kirk. And you get, you know what? There's probably worse. <laughs> there's probably there's, worse out there. There's a, a dragon is worse than that. I would well, say. Well, I would say is that as well. There's a ton of reasons why a stormtrooper could be in there without without getting too you know down in the weeds. But I mean, you know, w- when the Empire arrived on Tatooine, how long did it take them to 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 find that thing? It could have been just a random guy trooper patrolling. Sure. Sure. Dubak got dragged in and yep. he's gone. Yep. It very well could have been Jabba. You Look, know, feeding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing though, the whole uh, idea of you will you know learn the meaning of of agony as you are digested over a thousand years, and I think that that visually is conveyed very well by the pitting of the the trooper's armor that the, right. the body is like pitted. There's holes in it, mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly like grown into the yes. The, he's the, like the now being pulled like, in. Yes, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like half his helmet was sort of morphed into the gut. Yeah, absolutely. No, exactly. Yeah. All right. And as you say, um, of course, it's not long before the wreckage of the katana attracts uh, a Jawa sandcrawler. And mm. predictably, the Jawas strip Boba's armor right off his body. And they go right to work. Uh, they, waste, little they waste no time whatsoever. Oh, yeah. what, I, what I find interesting, though, is it, it out of context or maybe new context is they're a little bit more devious than maybe like we, we always understood that they were mischievous. Yeah, but like he's alive, and like struggles like, uh, and they like fully knock him out. Yeah, this is yeah, the first yeah. time we see them get physical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, so things don't get much better from there because sometime later, uh, probably the next day, a band of Tuscan raiders arrive and Boba is quickly taken prisoner. 
Now, it's bad enough uh, that he suffered from the acid burns of the Sarlacc's digestive juices, but now you add in being cooked in the twin sons of Tatooine, it's no wonder that he looks so bad in this shot. Yeah. A little bit sun bleached. Yeah. <clears throat> Single file to hide their numbers, fellas. Absolutely. So dragging Boba back to their encampment, he's uh, tied to a post. Dragging him is actually uh, good for them. It hides the tracks more. Hides the tracks, yeah. <laughs> Just like one law. It was one one small crate dragon dragged uh, crawled through here. <laughs> the clan children now poke at Boba, and they beat him with their wooden sticks uh, while the clan chief and his wife look on. Eventually, one of the kids kicks Boba in the head, knocking him unconscious. Now, that uh, little kid, we talked about this sort of uh, earlier on in the week. Um, oh, look at that. Are things in the way? Uh, that kid is actually Wesley Kimmel. He's the nephew of uh, late night uh, talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, you guys might remember him uh, as commercial boy in WandaVision. There you okay. go. He was in uh, all the commercials, Lagos, Paper Towels, uh, Hydra Soak Soap, and uh, Nexus Antidepressants. Yeah. Really yeah, Wesley who Kimmel. you know. <laughs> yeah yeah good for good for him too by the way and isn't that such a kid thing to do in this scene though like they don't have official gaffy sticks no, but they've, they've got, got like they've got wooden sticks ones. they've got wooden sticks so uh you w- want to talk about that for a second you want to talk about the presence of wood on tatooine and how much uh you know upset that that's caused sure <laughs> uh, there there is wood in the desert folks there yeah. are plants in the desert well, i think a lot of we see later the deck of Jabba's sail barge was all beautiful wood. Yeah, you know, the thing about big, having uh, spaceships and a, and a spaceport is that you can import anything you want. Yeah. And uh, I imagine you import stuff that eventually is garbage and that scavengers would uh, use that garbage. I I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't right, seem like right, that's right. a crazy stretch. It's, it's not like they had a swimming pool. <laughs> you know, th- those are the kind of things that might make me go, uh, maybe they don't know what they're doing. The Tusken yeah, Raiders yeah. have an above ground swimming pool. Yeah. A couple of wood stumps that like, you know, Tatooine, uh, we know from legends and, and, and we're leaning heavily into legends all the time. We know there Tatooine we wasn't like this always. That, that, no, that, apparently Tatooine was an ocean oasis at one time. And hmm. so there are probably plants there. And I mean, well, there's still maybe, plants underground. Right, exactly. And but on the other hand, are we one hundred percent sure that these are wood sticks? Could they not be like yeah. you know crate bones or something? Well, bones, exactly. possibly. The the That's gnarly, right. twisted uh, nature of them. I just assumed that they were wood. But you do raise a good point. They could be some bone, some piece right. of anatomy that we're just not familiar with because right. Star or Wars. petrified up, wood. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You know something. And uh, what's uh, Facebook? Uh, so saying? Facebook, you, uh, it was awesome seeing the different style of clothing mm-hmm. and the different classes. And I think when you say different classes, you mean the the people that I've identified, or at least I am calling them the chief and the chief's wife, right? Or the warrior, yeah. head we, warrior. We're going to talk remember. about them a little bit more because they, the two of those, those two characters share a unique color palette that nobody else in the tribe has. So I think that's, yeah, that's true. the visual cue for us. I, I remember when we first saw the trailer and you were speculating that one of the Tuscans in the oh, trailer may have been Boba. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what but, I thought. And, too. I, and I was like, well, I don't know about that, but I definitely think that they're wearing black instead of Brown. And yeah, and, and they are and they're, yeah. like, some of them are wearing Browns and reds and some of them look more haphazard, if you will. Like I made the mm-hmm. joke on our, on, on messenger that they, they, Potato sacks or us. Yeah, that's but, right. But they seem definitely to be more was a female in the numbers. Though. Absolutely, yeah. 
absolutely. And I don't know if that hair was added or if it was like through, like she had black dreads. Like and I really like that. I don't know if that was rags or her actual or hair. Her hair coming through. It, yeah. It's a neat, uh, sort of a neat twist too. It's um, a predator under there. And uh, <laughs> his, his necklace reminded me of the Twi'lek uh, you know, the carving that they do, the family carving. Yeah, 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 yeah. It reminded me heavily of it that. It does, yeah, very much so. Um, the, I read a little bit about uh, Sherrod Heck. The, the, Sherrod uh, Hetz, yeah. Uh, the, the Jedi. Uh, the Tuscan Jedi? <laughs> well, he's he's human, he's but raised yeah. by Tuscan. And then, yeah. So, I mean, there's some some stuff there. Their, their tents are different than the tents we've seen them in, especially in Attack of the Clones. Uh, where they even high, uh, sort of more even from uh, even in the Mandalorian, I mean, there's there's definitely a a, a difference. These ones were more uh, Bedouin style, like much mm-hmm. lower to the ground. Like they, they looked, and I got the impression like been. even though we see them fight and use rifles and stuff, we don't see any rifles yeah. here. By the way, uh, uh, no, not, no, they're we're not done. there. But this, they seem like maybe a different cast, like a warrior cast or or well, something. Uh, Throughout, I mean, it's got to be a small clan for one because right. the the entire clan has one massive, just right. one. In, there in Legends, like, there are, there's a city on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, for city. sure. So. so speaking of massives, um, that night, uh, later during the night when Boba wakes up again, he sees uh, he sees that a Rodian uh, has also been taken prisoner, and the two of them are now being guarded by the single massive. Uh, with the massive sleeping near uh, the campfire, Boba exchanges glances with his fellow prisoner and then sets about to free himself using the post that he's tied to as a friction point to cut the ropes. Uh, and he starts to rub uh, rub his hands vigorously against the, the post. Resourceful. Yeah, but the massive wakes from its sleep and slowly stalks towards him. Uh, once in range, the guard animal pounces, but Boba, having successfully freed uh, his hands from the post, is able to catch it in a headlock he wrestles it to the ground, then pounds it with both fists, knocking it out. And he does the classic. This it's an old uh, uh, thing they used to do in the movies to show that the uh, the hero had to punch out a dog or a, or yeah. an animal. It's called uh, uh, saving the cat. It's a, it's an old Hollywood trope where the uh, the actor will pet the animal after he does some kind of violence to it to show that he's not actually a bad guy. Right, it's not it the just, animal's fault. It's right, so he, that's the, that's that whole that that's a Hollywood trope that petting that looked awkward. Well, there's awkward even on purpose. He does that later on in the episode when he's uh, when he's digging for melons and he just looks up at the massive and he's like, nah, "No hard feelings, mate." <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> All right, so uh, but the massive uh, wakes up from its sleep. Oh, sorry, we're, we've already gone through that. Uh, using the massive's own teeth, Boba is able to cut his bonds completely. He then turns to the Rodian and offers to free him. But the Rodian yells out an alert and the Tuscans uh, come knowing that something is wrong. Hearing the wails of the Rodian, the Tuscan boy searches toward Boba and attempts to subdue him with his stick, but is quickly disarmed and then knocked to the ground. And while the rest of the tribe rushes to see what's going on, Boba runs out into the night. But the unconscious massive has made a quick recovery and runs him down. And when the chief and the other members of the tribe catch up, the chief signals to the massive and the beast returns to its master's side. The chief then nods to his wife and she unslings her gaffy stick and strides towards Boba, still armed with the boy's stick. Now, um, all visual clues aside here, uh, like we just said, the, the black and red thing. Do we think that the boy who also shares that color palette is their child? I think so. The chief. I would think I so. think it's the chief's son, 
child anyway. Because like he gets run shot over the whole camp, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. Go poke that, you know, prisoner. We don't see any other. He he. Uh, there's a visual cue when he first hits the tied up boba. He um, he looks over at the chief to so like yep. seeking approval. He's the first one to start striking them out of all the children. Then they all yeah, join yeah, him. Yeah. Um, it's he takes them looking uh, soon. He will take them looking for the melons, and so it's a, a level of sort of responsibility or training. Yep. Like, you yep. know, so uh, I think it's empirical. It's also uh, so dances with wolves, if you will, like where you you um, you, you the classic uh, the, the the natives capture or the uh, the cowboy wanders into their land and they uh, at first they're adversaries, but then he learns their ways and befriends right, them somehow. Right, right. And, you know. And like I said in the, uh, I would I'd be crying yeah. white savior if he wasn't a Maori actor. <laughs> that's right, right. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know that that's what's going to happen. But certainly that's that's an excellent. Uh, uh, and and when we say trope, we don't mean anything negative by it. Like we loved all the Western stuff in in the Mandalorian. So uh, it stands to reason that we'd get more of that sort of uh, from a narrative genre stuff. Yeah, from a narrative perspective, though, I mean, there's all this commotion. The Rodians wailing like a mad thing. Everybody's running to see what the hell's going on. And now they mom and dad show up and their kid is flat out on his ass and the prisoner's running away. That's right. Do you think that it's intentional that the chief basically goes, okay, mom, go kick his ass? Yeah. Um, it's probably, it's, that's probably instead of doing it himself. It's probably you know. a test too. Um, I, and I, well, I think actually that that fight is coming up. Uh, it's just a theory. And I yep. think that, having it in the first episode it's going to be a waste i think it's going to be a big fight agreed uh challenge so, for leadership um and i think leadership i think, I think maybe more i think there is a pattern that's been established with the character already and i think that's that boba has a soft spot for children yeah uh and it might be a, it might be a mandalorian thing it might be him you know remembering what it was like to be a child and being raised by in these crazy, crazy things, like we saw him in the, in the clone wars being raised by it. Just clearly he's crazy. still affected at the, by the loss of his right. father. So, the, and why I say that is because like, he's, he's got to think like he, in the Mandalorian, he, he doesn't hesitate to help Grogu as a child. I mean, he's helping, he's helping Dinjar and yes, but it's as, as a, you know, recompense for getting the armor back. He's willing to go above and beyond for this child, you know, right. Right. Time. And we see him, you know, he takes, he could have easily defended himself against the blows of the children, but he, instead he just slumped let them over, let him. them beat him. Yeah, conscious. Yeah. And then he had the kid dead to rights, could have crushed his skull. Like everybody's saying Boba Fett would have crushed the child's skull, <laughs> but he, he's he not got, a child killer. Right. He's yeah. And we don't know him really to be that much. I mean, he, he, he could have killed Han Solo. We the only, the only thing we've ever seen him do is take in one guy alive. That's yeah. all we've ever seen him do. <laughs> Which he didn't even have to catch on his own. No. Right? Well, so, I mean, outside of the comic stuff. I mean, like... Yeah. Everybody. It's every, right. I mean, you guys got to read it. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Vader and Luke at the same time coming from different angles. Oh, it's, right. Oh, it's right. crazy. But at the same time, how different would it have been if mom and dad had rolled up and found their kid dead? It would have been, been a like, much different story. Him. It'd be like everybody. Yeah, right. they'd have mauled him. They would have him. And I think that's part of the narrative that's coming up is the fact that that he's going to uh, endear himself to them. And, and, and in fact, at the end to the tribe, yeah, right. We'll get there. But I think he has by the end of the episode, at least uh, Taken shown the part of his worth. Right. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fact that I mean, even afterwards, and we'll get to it, the fact that he of his own volition, because now he's not chained to anybody. No. He walked back with the kid. 
Right. He could have, he could have done, you know, Hey, if we can get to Anchorhead, I can get us off world. He could have went to Anchorhead. He could have at least started going that way, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Yep. All right. Squaring off Boba and the Tuscan woman weave a deadly dance of melee combat, but even the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy is no match for the prowess of the Tuscan woman. And she beats him quite handily. Mm-hmm. Having defeated her adversary, the woman returns to her chief's side while the rest of the entourage surround Boba. The fallen warrior stares at the Tuscan standing over him for a short time before once again being knocked unconscious. <laughs> All right. With a flash of light, we're brought back to the present as Boba's healing bath is interrupted by Fennec Shand. and She's come to wake him so that he can hold his first court. Boba tells her that his dreams have returned. And without any outward acknowledgement from Fennec, she turns to leave, telling him that she'll have them waiting, whoever they are. And with the assistance of two droids, Boba dons his iconic armor. Similar to the pit droids, you got pit droid heads. They do have pit droid heads, like on a single wheel or something. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a bit about, now, we've talked about this before, especially uh, uh, back at uh, our uh, Bad Batch review series. How deep do we feel that the relationship between uh, the relationship between Boba and Fennec goes? Years. I mean, I really do. Yeah. How? At what point do you, uh, as again, as I said, the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy? What kind of a relationship do you have to have with, uh, essentially, a minion that you are trusting them with your your inner like I'm having nightmares? You don't just tell anybody that. No. Um, it really speaks to their. Yeah. Connection. There's yeah. three three people in the castle, and one of them is a droid. Uh, she could have easily just taken the throne for herself. She seems like very handy, and she knows what she's doing. Um, yeah. There's there's something there. Like th- we're going to get into this, I think, more in, the, and that's uh, the code that these people live by, which is sure. you know uh, this underworld code. You're going to get this honor among thieves thing happening, where like yeah, uh, yeah. you don't necessarily you know if if you were portraying everybody all the time when you actually did portray somebody it wouldn't mean anything so like no. i think that those those moments are going to be big uh and and saved like so i i think that you will find tight connections within the groups and uh certainly boba well, and fennec have it they do i mean i just we assume at least i assume that at some point and, and maybe the bad batch is going to fill that in that Boba and Fennec's relationship goes back much further than, than what we saw. Clearly we saw what happened in the Mandalorian. He saved her life, put the, the, the cybernetic parts in her to basically keep her alive. But because of the connection with, with, um, um, my God, because of the Omega connection. And I still think that we're going to get that. uh, We're going to get an on-screen meeting of the minds where Boba and Omega are going to to me they have to meet at some point yeah they just have to um and with fennec already an integral part of that in keeping uh keeping omega alive yeah i think that that is where we're going to get the we're going to get some uh you know needle point or some of the stitching to to bring that together fennec's quite a bit older than boba if you know perhaps Mandalorian's age different clones of Mandalorian's well i mean with boba's supposed to be older than boba she has to be. I mean, she's a full on uh, bounty hunter, master assassin when we see her in the Bad Batch. Yeah. And, and I mean, I love that that distinction is made in this episode where he introduces her as Fennec Shand, master, master assassin. Master assassin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also enjoyed that. 
Sorry, Anakin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in the throne room uh, at the first court of Boba Fett, the bounty hunter and his master assassin begin to meet with his would-be courtiers. Lamenting the need for a protocol droid, they first meet with an Aqualish, and he comes bearing a chest of coins as a gesture of friendship. Now, without a translator, they have to make do with one of Jabba's old droids, and that droid is none other than 8D8, the former smelter droid who was reprogrammed to be a torturer. <laughs> it's awesome. So some so of the... Um, yeah, in fact, the, the, uh, the portrayal of this character... I'm just going to go ahead and advance that. You may recognize 8D8 as uh, Matt Berry... Matt Berry, who you may have seen as uh, as uh, Douglas Ren- uh, Renholm in uh, the British sitcom The IT Crowd, or perhaps as uh, Prince uh, Merkimer in uh, uh, Disenchanted on uh, Netflix. That's very nice. So earlier on in the week, uh, there was uh, the the credits apparently were identifying uh, this character as uh, UK Two B, but the subtitles were still calling him AD Eight. All right. So. Uh, earlier this week, Pablo Hidalgo has actually come out and uh, gone on the record to correct that, and it is in fact 8D8. That's right. So no, uh, no, no uh, confusion there. That's the way we so, like our Pablo Hidalgo, correct and quiet. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Matt Berry uh, joining Star Wars, that is now the second IT Crowd alumnus. That's right. To uh, to play a droid in Star Wars, of course, right. the first was uh, Richard Iwade's uh, Q90. Uh, back in the Mandalorian. Next up on the docket is uh, the Trandoshan uh, named Doc Strassi, who 8D8 announces as the leader of the Trandoshan family, protectors of the city center and its business territories. Doc Strassi bears what is almost certainly a Wookiee pelt as a gift. The funny part is that Boba remarks how weird it is because he used to work for Doc Strassi. Fennec puts it in perspective by telling him that it's even weirder for him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doc Strassi welcomes Boba as a new daimyo it's a very particular choice yes. of wording Love and Boba, re- Boba remarks that it's, uh, it's an honor to be welcomed to Mos Espa by him Doc Strassi is played by none other than our series director Robert Rodriguez the daimyo thing uh, that's an interesting choice of words that's mm. great it, it, yeah. it fits perfectly with the rest of the sort of samurai uh, lore. Uh, most of it is tucked hidden away, like um, uh, an obi is a belt that the samurai wore. Right, um, right. You know, so it's most of it's hidden and tucked like uh, uh, Qui-Gon is a, a passive martial arts form. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, George Lucas sort of picked and chose, and, and you know, we all understand that the Force is akin to, to Taoism and, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. parts of Shinto and Buddhism pepper the uh, sort of the men, the uh, the mentality of the Jedi. So it, it makes perfect sense. This is pretty straight though. Um, uh, of course it's a, it's a different spelling, but the Katana is the, uh, the ship of yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. crime Lord. And so it, you know, the Daimyo is a feudal Lord in Japan. And so yeah. uh, it, it, it fits perfectly for me. I, it, you know, if we're going to call Cobb Vanth a marshal, we're going to yeah. definitely call Boba Fett a daimyo. A daimyo, and, yeah. And, and that and, reserves the Lord title for your Sith Lords. And yeah, ones. yeah, of it's, course. It's, of it's perfect. It's perfect for me. I heard it and I went, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Because that's where uh, that, it comes from there. It comes, it's it's so rooted in the in the samurai films, probably first rooted so, in samurai films. 
so just going back to uh, Trandoshan culture for a second now, Legends made it clear, and and that's been canonized through uh, the Clone Wars, that the Trandoshan species are the mortal enemies of the Wookiees. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember that episode of the Clone Wars where Ahsoka was uh, was trapped with the they were being hunted with the other the other kids? And she had to sort of get them out of it. And we saw the interior of one of the Trandoshan hunting ships, and we thought that they were Wookiee pelts. Yes. I mean, this is pretty on the nose with the uh, four the four limbs hanging off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite it, – it's very striking to see maybe that. It's a, maybe it's a big Ewok. <laughs> a very it big is, Ewok. It instantly made me not like the character and not in any like, oh, Robert Roddy, you guys can't act. I actually prefer my Trandoshan – masks i i, pref- I would ref- prefer a um uh, f- a physical mask to the cg that they used and i i had that same complaint about the uh the episodes of the mandal uh mandalorian that had them but that's a minor aesthetic man i, I had a really, hard time i really went i don't like this guy because he's got a wookie belt <laughs> so immediately i was like that scumbag's gotta go I you had know, a hard like, time to differentiating what was uh, CG versus what was uh, prosthesis because I I think I mean clearly there is a prosthesis there but did they like did they just enhance the the mouth movement with CG I feel to like, make and it the look eyes, more I feel like the eyes were oh yeah, CG, yeah yeah you know um, and that's uh, that's a minor aesthetic choice it has nothing it takes nothing away from the fact that I, I loved this and I wouldn't have instantly hated that character if he wasn't brandishing a full on Wookiee belt right. So I'm just going to take this moment here now. This is where we blow one of my predictions out of the water because this is the same Trandoshan that we looked at in the marketing and we thought, maybe. is this maybe Sid with the uh, <laughs> the necklace and the the right you know coloring? And it's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> no. But at the same time, we didn't see any uh, Wookiee pelts in Sid's office. That's true. So, no, no, no. That upped her likability factor. Well, we can't get them all right. No. So we get on to our third courtier. The third courtier announced is a character by the name of Mock Shays. And Mock Shays is the mayor of Mos Espa. But instead of the mayor, he sends his Twi'lek Major Domo instead. When Fennec remarks that they were told that the mayor was coming to pay tribute, uh, the Twi'lek uh, apologizes for the confusion in the correspondence. The encounter is terse at best, as not only is the mayor not inclined to pay tribute to the new crime lord, he actually demands tribute of his own. Fennec turns to Boba, offering to kill the Major Domo, but he declines. And the two dismiss the Twi'lek with his life spared as tribute uh, and a gesture of perhaps another time. But before the Major Domo departs, he warns Boba that he may be visited by another delegation in the near future. Well, this is a good line here, too. Clearly, know. it's a thinly veiled threat. I'm the crime lord. Uh, <laughs> yes. Almost like a child, yes. like, like a petulant child. But, but wait a minute. I'm confused. <laughs> I loved that, actually. This uh, character, the Major Domo, is played by uh, actor David Pasquisi. You might remember him uh, in the film Angels and Demons, the sequel to uh, The Da Vinci Code. He played uh, Vatican City police officer Claudio Vincenzi. You may also remember him from uh, the HBO series Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, where he played her ex-husband, Andrew Meyer. So uh, one other thing, th- another one here. Uh, we don't meet Mock Shays, but I'm pretty sure we've seen him already. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back to the uh, trailer one, back here, we see this Ithorian character, the, the character who says, I know that you now sit on the throne of your uh, throne of your former employer. Well, we can clearly see the Major Domo uh, in, in the scene with him. So 
I'm going to go on the record and say that this Athorian character, that's Mayor Mock Shays. Uh, Mock Shays, by the way, who was also voiced by Robert Rodriguez. Hmm. Yeah, I just figured Triple that. I learned, yeah, I just learned that this week. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, we get two Gamorians who are brought in in chains by a humanoid reminiscent of the Guavian Death Gang Enforcers from The Force Awakens with that big central red eye on his helmet. 8D8 proclaims that uh, the Gamorians were former bodyguards who were loyal to Jabba and later on to Bib Fortuna, and they didn't surrender when their patron was killed. In a callback to his former role in Jabba's court, 8D8 suggests that torturing the Gamorreans would send a clear message to any challengers to Boba's throne. But Boba refutes the droid, exclaiming that he does not torture. 8D8 cautions that he must project strength if he is to be accepted as a daimyo. Boba remarks that the Gamorreans were loyal to their bosses, and he asks them if they would be loyal to him if he spared their lives. Fennec counsels him that this is a bad idea, but turning back toward the Gamorreans, they immediately kneel in acceptance. All right. We're going to move on here now. This is it. I mean, we've, we've said it a million times already, but uh, we now have learned that this is, in fact, uh, Mos Espa. It's an overhead shot of the sprawling city, a large portion of which rests in a deep crater. Uh, and at the center of that crater, there is a tall tower. I just want to say that the Phantom Menace does nothing to convey the size of this city. <laughs> no. Like, it's huge. It's, it's very, very big. I tried really Vast. hard... I heard rumors that there was Doug Chang concept art that showed Moss Espa squarely in a crater uh, and surrounded by, but I could not find said, said images. Um, and I did send along the best image I could find of yeah. production, pre-production image from Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it, it completely belies the scope because we have a, a, a huge, huge bustling metropolis. I poured over this image, you know, for quite a, a for a long time, you know, zooming in on every facet of it, looking for the stadium and the racetrack. And mm-hmm. I can't, right. you can't find it. No, it's not there. So, no. I mean, how much be on the very outskirts, because only the, when, when the whole time they're going through the race, it's absolute yeah. desert. Yeah. And oh yeah. They, would, they sort of returned to that central. Yeah. That's, when we saw that's a beautiful it, shot. When it we first saw it. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'd said that back when we were looking at the trailer too, I thought, you know, is this, you know, it looked like maybe it was Jetta. We had speculated maybe that's a crater from the single reactor <laughs> ignition. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so when we first saw the this uh, image back in the the trailer review, we we picked out Andy. You picked out a couple of uh, of ships. Minor. And I don't think you saw this one because I don't think we actually saw it. No. Um, off in the far right, we actually get uh, the civilian version of the Gozanti cruiser, the Gozanti that was canonized back in Star Wars Rebels. This is a civilian version, mm-hmm. uh, but then we saw the militarized version of that, not only in Star Wars Rebels, but it made its live-action debut uh, in The Mandalorian. It was the ship that uh, that Din Djarin helped um, Bo-Katan steal. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the other word? Uh, liberate. Liberate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the cause. Yep. Okay, so down at street level, uh, Boba and Fennec, along with their new Gamorrean bodyguards, stroll through a marketplace, drawing quite a bit of attention from the shopkeepers as they pass by. All right. So, uh, cool little thing that I picked out of this. I actually had to go back in there today. I just noticed this. Um, There's an interesting... uh, Where is it here? 
uh, yeah, so the marketplace uh, is bustling uh, with activity, including a shepherd with a very unique flock. So this uh, gentleman, uh, for those of you who are watching, you can see this. Um, for those of you who are not, this is Spot. This is the semi-autonomous robot that is uh, produced by Boston Dynamics. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, this is the first real robot uh, in Star Wars that was not 100% human piloted. Um, at first, you know, there's the scene with the shepherd where she's hitting it with the stick to get it back in line. Uh, if you've seen any of the videos and you I mean, you can go on YouTube and you can see there's a bunch of videos about this particular uh, machine. Um, you can kick it, you can punch it and it will write itself. Like it will attempt to stay on where it's supposed to go. So huh. it's a super cool thing. Uh, the company that has already had early adopt uh, adopting partners like Adam Savage and his uh, tested YouTube channel, who basically had one for the entirety of 2020 uh, to test it for a year. It's been deployed by the New York City Police Department. Boston Dynamics says that they want to work with partners that won't weaponize the robot, but it can be fitted with specialized sensors like a methane detector so they could sniff for gas leaks. Or you could put a LiDAR unit, which would allow it to map essentially the inside of a building from the inside. Hmm. But it can negotiate stairs. And, and I mean, it's good on hard pack surfaces. It can pretty much go anywhere. Um, so, yeah. Or you can just go on YouTube and you can watch uh, Spot Mimic Mick Jagger from the uh, Start Me Up video. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Your first real world uh, actual robot in Star Wars. And uh, I, I almost missed it, but super cool neat as they approach a building at the end of the street fennec tells boba that uh, he should have let the guards carry him on a litter that the people of mos Espa are used to seeing the huts being carried around but boba balks at the idea fennec insists that things would go pardon me insists that things would go a lot smoother if he would just accept their ways <laughs> all right so um, inside the building, we can see that it's a bus, uh, bustling gaming establishment. And right now the joint is full lounge music fills the room from the live band led by the legendary Ortolan Max Rebo. Yes. The same Max Rebo that we last saw on Jabba's sail barge. <laughs> Max is a Max is accompanied by a Bith on guitar and an astromech droid on drums. Can we talk about this for a second? Yeah, man. <clears throat> so they're, like they're doing they're, a remix of the song too well there he is i mean that is right out of the uh, the film that's max uh, on the katana uh before it went up and that's a shot of the katana after it went up did anybody did did, he, did you guys think that anybody survived that yes you did yeah as soon as stuff starts going sideways i could see people diving off so there, there were two skiffs present uh in the uh, the <clears> sequence <throat> one of them luke cleared out like he just cleared them out on his way to the sail barge the other right. one they escaped on did we ever see the second skiff again not that i recall i no. just assumed it went up in the blast i just couldn't imagine that little dude waddling his way out of the desert well maybe his piano has uh extra features we're not aware about you mean his uh red ball jet organ yeah yeah you mean it'd be a whole lot easier to move the band if they got to perform in multiple that's spots that's true funny though we get max but uh nobody else no nobody size noodles no uh none yeah. of the dancers he, he none of the backup the lone survivor maybe mind you i mean it, it was his band the max rebo band that's right mm. all right we get some other cool things in here too we get uh 
me put this up here. As Boba and Fennec uh, sur- uh, surveyed their surroundings, we can see a ton of aliens and droids, including a protocol droid, several astromech droids, and an RX series pilot droid that's working as a dealer at the center of a gaming table. Now, this one's a cool one. Now, I've never been to any of the Disney parks before, but um, that droid, the, the, the gaming droid, is actually a nod to RX-24. RX-24, if you don't know, was the pilot droid from the old Star Tours theme park ride. Hmm. So canonically, the droid, uh, essentially, when Star Tours got shut down, they changed the, the, they rewrote or they added to his canon that he actually made it to Batu. Batu is, of course, now where Galaxy's Edge is, where he was reprogrammed and given a minor upgrade, and he now works as a DJ yeah, at the yeah. droid at the droid depot at the Galaxy's Edge theme park. That's right. <laughs> Doctor Derpy, praise to the max. Yeah, cool to see him back. I, I hope maybe we'll get other little nods like that. Uh, if he can make it, then you know, I'm sure there's other people that can pop up from here and there. Yeah. I mean, why not? Uh, I I didn't mention it, but. Uh, how about that uh, reuse of the Constable Zuvio hat again? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Zuvio! Everybody's got one. It's just a hat you can buy there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as Boba and Fennec step further into the establishment, they are approached by a pair of uh, Twi'leks who offer to service their helmets as they wait for uh, Madame Garza Fwip. Fennec declines, but Boba hands both of them over anyway. And, and the, uh, in a... In a bit of a touche moment, Boba retorts that things would go a lot smoother if she accepted their ways. And the innuendo is is nice there. Can I service? Can I polish your helmet? Can I? That's there's a you know I, I, that's what Twi'leks do, and that sort of you know. Yeah. What I did yeah, notice yeah. was I tried real hard to see if they had the jagged teeth because we've seen four Twi'lek now with with ordinary teeth, except for uh, Bib and the Bib's got the right, crazy right, teeth, but they're. There are several different uh, sort of subspecies, um, like uh, Cham Cham Sandula. Hera's yep. mom has weird has teeth, the but, sharp teeth, yeah. But her mom and her do not. So what about just, um, was Masameda? Did he not have the sharp teeth? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure. He, his his uh, third Liku was a uh, I believe it was a uh, like prosthetic. Yeah. Huh. All right. So, uh, next, uh, as the two Twi'leks depart, uh, another Twi'lek woman dressed in a regal gown approaches and bids uh, Boba and Fennec welcome to the sanctuary. Cutting right to business, Boba introduces Fennec Shand as, mast- as a master assassin and then informs Madame Garza that he has now taken over from Bib Fortuna, and he reassures her that her business will continue to thrive under his watchful eye. Garza thanks him for the gracious introduction and with a gentle stroke of his arm tells Boba that he's always welcome as the establishment is now his. Garza Fwip, uh, played by uh, Jennifer Beals, I think that was blown wide open in the marketing and the lead up to the show. That's right. Of course, everybody uh, of our generation is going to remember her from Flashdance, but you may also recognize her from her long-running television series, The L Word. Now, it's impossible not to see it. We've got to talk about the New Republic uh, symbology in her headdress. That's right. What do we think about that? Uh, well, so at, at first glance, it certainly would indicate that she's maybe, I, I'm, I don't know if, if in world, if that's clubbing it over the head a little, but certainly it's a nod to us that she might be uh, an agent uh, for the, the 
I guess the fledgling New Republic or sure. endorsed by the New Republic. But at the yep. center, at the center of it, it's almost like an imperial symbol or a TIE fighter. <laughs> yeah, kind the, of ball, guy the ball cockpit there at the so middle just, of it. <laughs> so just to, to throw some, you know, a monkey wrench into the whole thing, uh, uh, it, it's, I think that's a symbol that she's pretty squarely neutral. Uh, in terms of that may in fact be exactly what it is. Yeah. 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 All sides yeah. are welcome here. It's a sanctuary. Well, right. and, so it, and, and there again, the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing we get is uh, as Garza departs, uh, where are we here? Let me just put this up here. Uh, as Garza departs, the two Twi'lek attendants return with the helmets looking down at his Boba sees that it is now full of new Republic credits. So, with the credits, I want to talk about the credits for a second because uh, we kind of poured over this a little bit more than maybe I should have. Um, we can see that the coins here basically come in, in two basic types. There's a large silver coin and there is a smaller bronze coin. Uh, so the 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 imagery that it looks like a number seven with two vertical strokes, that is the symbol for credits in uh, in the Orabesh. Is uh, and then I really struggled with figuring out, I couldn't figure out the denominations. And then what earlier today, just before we started, Andy, you, you'd had the, you'd had the Eureka I moment. I did. Um, I was into a couple of different reddits and whatnot, going down some rabbit holes. And one of them says, when kids are learning their galactic orbesh and their basic and their tech, they are taught it not just front to back, but sideways mirrored reversed right in because you're like in a zero gravity in space. You got to read it from all ways from every, Oh my gosh. Of course. So if you turn both of these coins, so the, uh, the credit sign is facing on its side. Yeah. You can read that the silver one is most likely a 100. Oh, and the little bronze gold one is most likely a 500. Okay. In, in, uh, Orabesh basic. Well, Orbesh Tech, sorry, man, uh, you deserve uh, an absolute pat on the back for that because I was really struggling <laughs> with that. But in in this finding this little rabbit hole, this also dispels some of the stuff we saw in like the Bad Batch, right? Where we had taken issue, like, oh look, that the, the signage on the way to Sids yep. was backwards, but it's not really backwards. It's just viewable from, from both all sides. Yeah, yeah. That's how they were taught right. it. Oh, that makes so much sense. So. Okay, well, man, thanks for filling that one in because I, like I said, I struggled with that like for most of, well, yesterday afternoon. All right, so out on the street as they leave, or I should say, as they depart the sanctuary, Fennec remarks that Boba's helmet looks shinier than hers. Ha 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 ha. Mm -hmm. uh, out on the street, Boba mentions that Jabba had many vassals and that they have a lot of ground to cover if they want to keep his empire intact. Fennec insists that she can make the rounds without him, but Boba responds with that line from the trailer, Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect, but Fennec isn't convinced. And she respectfully answers with in difficult times, fear is a sure thing. Unaware that they've been followed an armed man dressed in some kind of uniform leaps off a rooftop before Boba and Fennec can respond. Five more uniformed men armed with energy pikes join the fray surrounding the duo with a wall of energy shields. And as I said, there's that, uh, the reuse of the Zuvio helmet. Um, there's a weird looking alien there. I, for the, for the life of me, I could not. And I mean, I have a couple of like alien, like star Wars, alien books here. Looks not, a lot like Forlon. 
yeah, the huge, huge, like, I don't know what you call those on his head. The big, right. they're kind of like horns. I don't know what they are. Zoom in on that sucker. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, that could be a headdress, and that could be, he could be, uh, he looks a lot like a four, uh, like a four LOM creature. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like a gand. Right, a gand. There a it gand. is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, we're always saying we want more uh, aliens to show up. So Yeah, we do, right. and I mean, right. we're we're definitely getting them. All right, so uh, a fight ensues. Boba attempts to use one of his wrist rockets, but uh, the blast is contained by the energy shields, and both he and Fennec are knocked to the ground. Uh, they do their best to repel the assailants, but the uniformed men are exceptionally well-coordinated in their strikes. Uh, Boba offers his arm in an attempt to vault Fennec over the shield wall, but the maneuver fails. Finally, the Gamorreans catch up, and the shield wall is broken. The mystery attackers now have twice as many opponents to deal with. The Gamorreans quickly cut through the formation and easily outclass the uniformed attackers. Then it's an all-out melee, but two of the men strike Boba simultaneously, seriously wounding him. As the Gamorreans and Fennec make short work of their opponents, the remaining three men attempt to flee, but Boba disintegrates one with a wrist rocket. <laughs> so much for no disintegrations. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about this fight for a minute here because this has been maybe the biggest the biggest feather in the craw, I think, for the, the entire episode. All of the criticisms, or most of the criticisms I've seen this week are coming out of the fight here. What do you guys think of the fight? It um, makes a statement of his current position, like physically. Right. Um, I never... <clears throat> I, I just rewatched every every ounce of Boba Fett stuff. I got to rewatch the next sure. few days coming up to this. And, you know... Remember when we all went, hmm, Costa Reeves kind of goes toe-to-toe with him in that one episode, and we went, yep. hmm. Yep. He's, he's an older fella now, and at that point in his career, uh, which is just before this, uh, he's he's not altogether well. Like, uh, even Lauren said, perhaps, perhaps that being in the Sarlacc pit has lasting or maybe even permanent effects, uh, and he's going to have to return to that back to tank quite often maybe you know maybe that i wondered he's that being as well. rotted from the inside out um certainly he's not a hundred percent himself um th- and you know who's to say that these guys aren't elite trained soldiers certainly when they take right, that right. balance position they're they're you know uh i've heard a little bit of maybe maybe the argument that he didn't just jetpack the hell out of there uh, that's is, yeah you know one thing maybe the jetpack doesn't work without the helmet on that's another uh, one, yeah. That could be you know you have that, you know that sound that it makes when he puts it on. At the same time, yeah, like the Vader, the helmet seal, the right. So I mean, maybe the helmet doesn't the uh, jetpack. Now, mind you, work with we saw armor on. We saw Din Djarin activate his jetpack by uh, wrist control. It's now, true. is that a universal thing or is that like a, a personal thing? I would say that everybody's got slightly different tech. You know, like I would think you're so. You're tinkering with your own armor. Uh, yeah. Sabine, yeah. Sabine Ren actually makes a. Uh, there's a quote by her where she says like uh, this. This gener- this armor is five hundred years old, but I I yeah. modified it to my liking, and you know, yeah, she yeah, means yeah. the painting or actually the things that it can do. Um, but I <laughs> he grabs he takes one pike. There's a scene where he grabs the pike and the guy's sticking him in the yep. sort of the armpit yep. or the underarm, and he's taking the full brunt of one. Yeah, of them, and he he breaks the guy's hold on it. He you know it's he's still an elite fighter. It's he's he's in a broken space right now, and I've also heard the complaint that that Fennec makes, you know, short work of two of these guys where he doesn't. And, 
and we see do you guys remember when she wrecked record yeah she's an, a master assassin she's a, yeah. like this is going to put a lot of things in people like a craw in a lot of people's uh bonnet but she's a better fighter than boba fett why does boba fett need her because she's his like like his number one that's his yeah. he's not going to go toe to toe with you he might you know but he doesn't have to because that's what she's for I was going to say, you know, as an assassin, I would think that, you know, an assassin wouldn't want to be in a stand-up fight. It's not their style. They want to get in and get out. They want to hit right. the target, kill it, and be gone. Well, as she yeah. goes chasing after him, you know, he calls her. He's like, keep one alive. Yeah, alive. But right. uh, He's, he's going to be your Tony Soprano where he's like, you know, he's ruling, but he's got his... He's got his guys that do his dirty work for him. Sure, he's going to get his hands dirty every once in a while. We're going to love it, but he's he's going to have. Uh, this is this is about him building a criminal empire. I, I've also right, heard right. that. Oh, he's a good guy now. He's not a good guy. He's building no. A criminal he's not empire. He's not a hero. He's <laughs> no. you know anti-hero at best. And I mean, right. he's in self-serving like a hundred percent. Even right. if he has a, a moral code, uh, he's certainly not going to do anything that does not you know serve him in some way. Yeah. And if you go back uh, to the whole respect thing yeah, yeah. and you dive in on the possible relationship between him and Fennec, yeah. he's not going to just leave her there to get her ass kicked. Well, I, right. that's one exactly. of the points that I had. And, yeah. And, and yeah. And that's, and, and it, if you want to look at a character that, that Boba Fett's probably based on the most, it's probably the man with, with no name from the, the, the Clint Eastwood, the certain yeah, sure, sure. trilogy. And there's, there's so much about that guy that if you, when you watch those movies, he's not a, he's not a good guy. He has questionable morals and he does for sure. Horrible, he does. Yeah. Things, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're rooting for him because the people around him are worse. Like Lee Van Cleef, right. You know, like, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right. So, and that's, that's sort of the idea here is that like he, he's probably a pretty despicable guy, but he's surrounded by people that are way worse. I would say the one, now the, the one legitimate issue that I have with the whole sequence is that there is, there's an, there's a continuity error that comes from just a, an editing mistake you can call it bad editing and, and I mean, ostensibly that's what it is. But when you see Boba and Fennec leave the sanctuary, there's a, there's a tight shot and the two Gamorreans are right behind them. Then as they walk down the street and she's saying, I could be doing this by myself. There's a long shot and the Gamorreans are not there. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you're like, well, the Gamorreans are right there with them. Why aren't they getting in the fight? And Probably then they come in later. Some food. Yeah, really? So, I mean, to me, yeah, the, the marketplace, like, be, could they have uh, stopped or just kind of straight off course to grab a sandwich or something maybe maybe or yeah it's 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 also entirely possible they just sat back in the cut to see what the, what the boss had that's entirely true as well uh you brought up a thing uh, the thing about uh you know why didn't he just use his jetpack i mean arguably it's one of his biggest assets but really i mean aside from the script uh, narratively speaking, I mean, Fe yes, Fennec Shand is a master assassin and she's, she's a totally kick-ass character, but like, these are six well-armed, yes. yes. highly motivated, yes. uh, coordinated attackers. I mean, right. six, six opponents to one. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. Yeah. She took out Wrecker and yeah, she's a formidable fighter, but six people, mm, I don't think oh, Boba yeah. is going to bail out on her. No, 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 now, no, definitely not. And, and the other thing is. Uh, that jetpack is an expensive shot. Oh, of course it is. Right, so we're not going to overuse that stuff. He's going to no, he's going to no, fly no. around in a jetpack. We're going to love every second of it, but it's going to yep. be timed perfectly. Imagine, just, you know, 
imagine for a second that you're Boba Fett and you were trying to assert dominance over Jabba's former empire. And the first time that you're met with a challenge, you fly away. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. What, your respect, what does yeah. that do for your credibility? So, I, I mean, mean he, maybe he jetpacks out, turns around, flamethrowers them. Or sure. Uses some wrist rockets or something. But Drops the, a missile on them. I'm, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> in the first five minutes of the next episode, he remarked, like, oh, my jetpack doesn't work without my helmet on or something like that. Maybe, so maybe, maybe yeah. Shut yeah, people yeah. up. But that that's a good enough excuse for me that the harmer yep. works in, in conjunction with itself. You know, so. I just don't think that he was going to leave her to her own devices to fend them off. No, no, no. And certainly the honor among thieves thing is going to be very, very strong. And we're going to learn the, the, the kind of man that Boba Fett is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The Tuscan Raider backstory. That's right. Right. Right, right. What kind of man he is without armor on. Exactly. Now, do we think that these guys are the delegation that the twilight oh that's uh, a great Tomo question i said you will be getting a visit from uh i've got some I, i've got a point on that where did i put that um, no, that's far. fine i you know what just yeah i i i do i know yeah. that in the marketing we uh, talked about you know like they look these, uniformed they look like a, you know we'd ask you know are these perhaps like city police or what are they doing with the shields trying to contain it just made sense they're carrying essentially the guy she gear. spares has facial tattoos underneath his knee underneath mask. his balaclava oh, yeah. interesting i personally do think that this is the delegation that the that the major domo said was going to show up later yeah um which means that the mayor he's it's a shady bad guy Either right or he's already scared of him well i said that too in a power vacuum this mayor fancies him it's yourself jabba's replacement already okay so let's let's break that one down because we we saw at the end of the mandalorian he walks into the palace and, and uh, uh, bib fortuna is sitting there right like did any of us actually think that bib fortuna by himself could hold jabba's empire together no 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 way. So, I mean, the mayor of Mos Espa learns that Jabba the Hutt is dead and maybe cuts a deal with Bib Fortuna saying, like, you can be the figurehead, but I'm really running it. Well, he probably right. sent the Domo in there with the same offer. You well, know? that's exactly why. Bid you welcome, now give me tribute. Right. And, so. and, you know, if you're you're in the fortress, it's going to be a lot harder to sort of physically take the power. And then yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you're a mayor or even with, you know, it's it takes someone like Boba Fett to walk in there and shoot you in the chest. Crooked politician. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> OK, so where are we here? Um, so as Fennec parkours up the wall after them, Boba calls out, telling her to bring them in alive. He beckons the Gamorreans to get him to the back to pod. Now, uh, clearly, he's more wounded than we thought he was because, like, they had literally have to pick him up off the ground. So maybe these, uh, the electric sticks. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. they were packing more punch than we're led maybe. to. Maybe. Right. But I mean, yeah, hit, yeah. getting hit with two of them at the same time probably yeah. didn't yeah. help. And several times throughout the course of the fight. Right. Zapped, right. 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 So, because we all dialed in on, you know, Chewie's blaster when it fired at Kylo Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 And he stood and took it to, you know, his right. power levels of resistance or whatever, but so Fennec, uh, she acknowledges the order and then quickly tears off in pursuit. The chase sequence is something. It's very much like something out of an Assassin's Creed game mm-hmm. as both the uniform men and Fennec tumble, leap and roll with impressive skill as they move from one rooftop to another. I was calling it star Yeah, really? At the height of the chase, one of the men throws some kind of bladed weapon at Fennec, but she's able to avoid it by flipping. But the man is the man is fast, and he throws a second projectile, forcing her to dive off the roof entirely to avoid it. 
and she fakes them out here. She 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 lets out a yelp like he hit her, but he doesn't hit her. Oh, she I thought that was. Uh, I just thought that was her like diving off the building, like ah. I thought I kind of interpreted it like she was faking them out, like oh, like you like you know when you get shot. Oh, I like you don't that better. Yeah. I like that explanation better. But it does give them more credit, you know. With no, it does. Abilities. Yeah, I mean they parkoured the crap out of this, and I mean oh, it yeah. was really nice to watch. Yeah. All right, catching up the catching the men off guard, she's able to get the drop on them and neatly disarms one of them of his pike. Now, empty-handed, Fennec promptly kicks the man off the rooftop, leaving just one to bring him alive. That's as ordered. Need. That's right. Yeah, he's now definitely look got at his chest on his... armor. It looks like it might be stormtrooper armor modified. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was stuff left over at that mm-hmm. breastplate. Yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. It looks very stormtroopery. So this, oh yeah, here we go. This I've got some notes here talking about the uh, the delegation. Do we think that they this was the delegation of the the mayor's uh, major domo warned us of? I went back into the marketing and I got a side by comparison of. Now here's the attackers on the left hand side with their force, uh, the not force the energy pikes, right? And then on the right hand side is one of the guards from the mayor's chambers, mm-hmm. and they so, it's the same palette. It's that burgundy and black. But they are definitely distinctly different in the armor. Mm-hmm. So it could just be a classification. Like these are just the logo level, you know, infantry guys that he sends right. first. Right. Sure. Foot, sure. As your foot clan. They look foot yeah. clan. Like the me. foot yeah. clan. They do. They really do. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a, we just saw some recent marketing uh, in the last couple of weeks, which, uh, um, and we're going to touch into that a little bit later with the, the swoop gang. Um, a character uh, showed up in one of the last TV spots that uh, might be a Legends character, um, the character of Arden Lynn. Hmm. And uh, you see the big robotic arm on her. She shows up on a speeder bike. Hmm. Now, I know a speeder bike is just an easy way to get around, and it's a common conveyance in Star Wars, but maybe this gang is, you know, uh, part of her way into the story. Could be. Maybe these red guys are like... You know how we saw in Mandalorian with the mining guild, how they all wore like a, a standard uniform. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's kind of like that where these guys are a gang, but they all wear the same, the same uniform. Goons. Yeah, goons. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> foot, foot clan. Hired goons. <laughs> all right. So back at the palace, the Gamorreans drag Boba back into the, ba- uh, into the back to pod. He can barely walk and the Gamorreans don't even get all of his armor off before they lay him into it. And stuffing the respirator into his mouth and closing the pod lid, Boba is immediately off on his second dream sequence of the episode. Still deeply burned and scarred from both the twin sons of Tatooine and the digestive juices of the Sarlacc, Boba is roused from his sleep by the Tusken boy. It seems that he and the Rodian are being led out into the desert for reasons unbeknownst to them. As the boy drags them along, the clan Massif follows at a short distance behind. Sometime into the journey, the group spots a plume of smoke rising over a dune. Approaching the smoke to get a better look, they hunker down behind a dune and peer over the top. It's a moisture farm, and it's getting ransacked by a swoop gang made up entirely of Nyctos. The gang appears to be interested in collecting water from the ground tanks surrounding the farm. As soon as their jerry cans are full, they mount their bikes and take off, but not before one of the thugs tags the farmhouse with a strange marking. So right off the bat, I put in a comparison shot here with the Lars farm, just so we can rule that out, that no, yep. it is not, in fact, the Lars farm. No. Uh, it's very similar. Similar but it is in not. structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would explain desert buildings. 
So right, yeah, the, uh, um, the igloo style. Yeah, sand, sand igloos. This one is another one that uh, I have not seen any other entertainment outlet comment on this. Nobody that, I, to my knowledge, has broken this. That this marking is the letter K in the Nal Hatiz written language. Huh. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. It's, it's on the bike too. Eh? It's on both the bikes. Oh, I, I never noticed that. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. It's, good. It's, it's hard to see in that image, but it's actually on both bikes as well. But that doesn't make it any clearer for us because nope. now, <laughs> now I start going K. What the hell does the K mean? Right. What is that connected to? Right. I mean, uh, we talked about uh, we talked offline before about uh, the 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 2015 Marvel comic uh, where Jabba had instituted a water tax during uh, the one of the worst dout, uh, droughts in Tatooine history. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that doesn't make sense because I mean, that's when Obi-Wan was in exile. I mean, Obi-Wan's dead. Jabba's dead. Why are these guys still running around doing this? Right. So they're clearly, uh, they're clearly marking their own territory here. This is what they're, they're they're trying to stake a claim. This isn't the action of, um, uh, an organized group of, um, you know, well-oiled mercenary thugs that have, you know, leaders that are th- this is this is a um a gang <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like street punks and uh after their first couple uh, hits leaving their tag you know yeah, that, yeah and yeah. exactly it's it's you you don't um kingpin doesn't tag things around new york city right no. <laughs> you know no, no, like yeah yeah like low-level thugs spray paint their name after a job sure, to, sure. To, to get their name out there. They want, Everybody knows Kay did this. You mean and this I is not the Star Wars Banksy? No. This no is I, think, right. I think what you're going to find bandits. This, this is the lowest-level thug that you could have, but I, bet, yeah, you, yeah, I yeah. bet you find that there's a vast array of them, like like a lot of sure, these guys sure. loosely organized into these sort of thuggy um, cults. Uh, of, of gang members there's a, there's i mean there's there's other like um privy to the comics and sort of the the, the you get really a, a a better picture of the underworld in the comics yeah um, and there's there's a faction at, at play in the comics that is so much uh they have, they have so much more power comparatively than than any of the groups that we've really been into except for say the huts and then most of our right, right. our hut lore comes from some clone wars episodes but a lot of the legends stuff yeah where yep. so we've never been to Nalhada yet we've never been to narshadar the moon right right um I, I think we're we're probably heading in that direction with some of this stuff i think like you you might you know but th- it's the crimson dawn that i'm actually getting at here. well i was gonna say in star wars i mean it, as you say in legends everything kind of points Organized crime in Star Wars, uh, you know, as you talk about levels, the further you go up, I mean, you, you, you you're, it funnels down into basically a couple of areas: the, the huts, mm-hmm. uh, the Black Sun, that's right, uh, which is now, I mean, has now been recanonized to be that's just right. a lower level of the Crimson Dawn. That's right. So, uh, and and what you really do though, it, like, I mean, even the huts fall under the Crimson Dawn in the version of the crimson dawn that we saw mall running yeah yeah like he he subjugates the huts he subjugates everybody involved the oh, uh, the okay, pike syndicate okay. right, uh, right right and they all end up working uh, like you know in some fashion for him um 
But what we what what most people don't realize is that in the vacuum of his death, that Kira actually is um, crazy crafty, like like high end level sort of uh, super villain. Um, oh yeah, okay. And and really, 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 the character that we see at the very end of Solo, the character yeah. that yeah. you know turns her back that on reports Han directly and, to Maul. Very, very much. Uh, that character is who she's portrayed as in the comics. And I actually would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we got uh, Amelia Clark in this show. Yeah. I've heard um, some, some rumblings that maybe this is a good way to bring Alden Ehrenreich back for a, for a cameo. And I mean, yeah. and if you're going to do that, then you might as well bring everybody who comes with it. Right. And, uh, and you know, when they did announce this big spat of shows, they announced yeah. the Lando show that nobody's That's talked right. about in, in yep. Eon. So, and they do want them all to interconnect and stuff, but yeah, um, I think it's a good bet that we're going to see Crimson Dawn. And if it's not just the cameo, you're going to see some bigger involvement. Right, um, right. Uh, you know, it's uh, you get that, such many, so many cool things from Solo stemmed out of those little scenes, like the, the yeah, Tereskasi, yeah, yeah. the actual Tereskasi she used. The yes, like Dryden Voss has Mandalorian armor just sitting on a mantle there, like <laughs> you know, like there's some cool things going on there. Well, speaking of Terrace Cassie, uh, that goes back to, we were talked about the, this Arden Lynn character coming back. And if you're not familiar with her, she was actually a playable character in the video game masters of Terrace Cassie. That's right. So basically she was, uh, a Jedi hunter, hunter killer. Yeah. 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 All right. I want to talk about it a little bit about the water tax so we can just sort of wrap this up. Cause I know like sometimes we like to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Right. Um, Talking about the water tax, the 20, uh, 2015 Marvel comic, uh, Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi struggles in his exile, unable to help the locals during an intense drought. During that period, Jabba the Hutt institutes a water tax, reportedly so that he could take long baths. <laughs> and it was Jabba's goons that had collected this tax on his behalf. Obi-Wan risked, uh, risks exposure to try and sell some black melons to the locals, citing that the Tuscans have been surviving on them for decades. The same black melons that we saw uh, back in uh, the Mandalorian, the the very one that Cobb Vanth refused. Uh, so black melons apparently are culturally significant to the Tuscans because when he refused it, they were very insulted. That's right. Of course, as we'd said now about the the Jabba connection, he's been dead for like five or six years at this point. So the idea that these guys are connected to uh, Jabba is are, are like very very slim to none. I mean, there's a possibility they could be using his name. Like, Maybe. And that was the other thing was like, well, does anybody, I mean, if nobody sees the body, exactly. is he really dead? Yeah. I mean, if, because I mean, how many people would see now, mind you, uh, Fennec just said that the people are used to seeing the huts carried around, around on a litter. Right. Right. Uh, so maybe, I, you know, it could be possible that the Fortuna could have maybe, you know, uh, kept the illusion for a, for a, for a short while. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah, know yeah. if we could make it happen five years, but I guess five years isn't really that long a time. If you, it would be hard. There's a lot of huts involved in. That, yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah, for like sure. Jabba, you got Jabba's high, but there are huts that are higher. There's a whole council that's right. of huts. Yep, yep. All right, we'll move on then. So um, once the Nikto gang rides off, the Tuscan boy drags his prisoners away for some time until later stopping them in a seemingly random place in the desert. The boy gestures to the ground with his stick, ordering uh, Boba and the Rodian to get down. Unsure of what it is that he's supposed to do, uh, the boy then makes a digging gesture with his arm and produces a black melon from the pouch on his belt. 
He holds it up to his mouth grill and he makes a drinking gesture to get his point across. Dig for water. As the Rodian and Boba dig for melons, the boy and the massive sit on the sand nearby and watch. Now, the Rodian seems to have a knack for harvesting melons because he's now come up with his second, while Boba has none. <laughs> Finally coming up with a melon of his own, Boba hastily cracks it open and he drinks from it. But Boba's insolence isn't taken lightly and the Tuscan boy charges at him with his stick. But Boba catches it mid-swing, telling the youngling to take it easy. I need some water. But the Tuscan is insistent, and with an outstretched hand, he demands the melon uh, be handed over. When Boba gives it up, the boy sadistically dumps the water onto the desert floor while the massive laps at the water midstream. Sometime later, as the two prisoners continue to dig, the boy and the massive are napping on a nearby dune. Boba admonishes the Rodian for sounding the alarm back in the Tuscan camp. Still chained together, Boba then tells him that if they can get to Anchorhead, he can get them off world, but the Rodian ignores him and continues to dig. Frustrated, Boba grasps the chain, tethering the two together, and he asserts that he could just as soon strangle the Rodian with it and feed the leg, his leg to the sleeping massif. At that, the Rodian looks back at Boba and shouts an insult, calling him a Sleemo with the added familiar poodoo. Yep. All right, so where are we at here now? So, based on what's coming up, though, are we certain that these are melons? I am. Okay. I'm 100% certain that these are the black melons. It's the same fruit, uh, as I said, uh, back when, uh, back in uh, The Mandalorian, when uh, Din Djarin and Cobb Vanth were trying to get them to work together, okay. and they started formulating the initial plan, they offered them... In, the, in not to be gross, but in the same way, uh, maybe Cobb Vanth has further knowledge of what they actually are. Oh, maybe. And in similar to, say, a road apple? Uh, I don't think that. Desert fruit? I don't think that. Uh, a little, uh, Just a little bit more on the Black Melon thing. Obi-Wan, uh, in that same run of comics, had said that, you know, they, they tasted horrible, but they were safe. And so that's where he was mm -hmm. trying to get across, like, hey, like, the Tuscans have survived on these things for decades. In the midst of this drought, you should, you should take them. You should buy them. They're, you know, they're, they're going to work for you. Um, I'm just looking at it like maybe a desert as a, uh, a litter box type thing for certain creatures. We see them close up. I, I think I've got one here later on. We see it close up where the they plunge their thumbs into it and you see the, the black mist coming out of it. Yeah. It definitely has the striations of like a gourd, like a, a pumpkin or, or yeah, something yeah. of that kind. Fair yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. All right. Now we're going to get into uh, a pretty exciting sequence here. Uh, turning his attention back to digging, the Rodian is puzzled as he inadvertently uncovers what appears to be a large, scaly reptilian appendage. Clearing more sand away, he can see that the limb ends in long talons. Suddenly, the appendage bursts from the sand and takes the Rodian by the arm. Then a second appendage erupts, then a third, and finally a fourth. With all four of its upper limbs... Uh, planted on the ground, what can only be described as a mythological titan pushes itself up from the sand, towering over the Rodian at least 15 feet tall. The beast roars ferociously and pounds the Rodian into the desert, killing him. The Tuscan boy, now wide awake, stands dumbfounded just a few feet away from the beast. And like any loyal dog protecting its master, the massive charges in, grabbing one of the uh, titan's arms, 
but the Mastiff might as well be a stuffed toy as it is thrown away like an old ragdoll. The beast, still holding the chain in one of its lower limbs, dangles Boba precariously upside down. Turning its attention, the beast wastes no time grasping Boba's head with two of its upper limbs and begins to crush it. But the Tuscan boy, having now found his courage, rushes in and stabs the beast through the foot with its stick, which only serves to enrage the creature even more, and it bats him away like a wiffle ball. Yeah. <laughs> but going back there just to solidify that this is the chief's son. Yeah. Like that massive protects him like he's uh, the chief's yeah, son. Yeah, very much so. Very mm, much so. Like a loyal dog, like yeah. a loyal, a loyal uh, pet. Yeah. All right. With the Titan distracted, Boba tries to rope two of its arms with his ankle chain, but the Titan punches him squarely in the face, sending him flying several feet away. Pulling the stick out of its foot, the beast drops down on four limbs and moving like an ape quickly stalks toward the boy. But before it can reach him, Boba throws his ankle chain around its neck and climbs on its back. Pulling for all he's worth, Boba wraps the chain around his forearm for even more leverage. With his legs now underneath him, Boba practically stands on the Titan's back, choking the life out of it. And when the beast falls, the Tuscan boy looks on in awe at the man standing there holding his chain in victory. Kind of a reminiscent death there, though, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can't help but, uh, you know... Jabba got his legacy now. legacy moment here. Yep. We're going back to the uh, Hut Slayer Leia. Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't bite that maneuver though, because he was in the pit for it, so he could. Yeah. He, he didn't know what happened. No. <laughs> and you, you got to figure. There's a bit of story here that has to be like ex, 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 exposition that doesn't happen on camera, where he finds out that Jabba is dead. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, just calling it crawling out of the pit, and he doesn't even get a chance to examine the wreckage or find no. a body or. Or anything like that. So maybe no, we'll see him off. physically revisit the the wreckage, the, the crash site, corpse. Yeah, maybe, uh, or maybe. maybe it'll just be a story by a local. But maybe at some point he's going to find that out, which is going to you lead know, him. Oh my gosh! Gonna, yeah, you know, at some point it's going to occur to him. I can get my armor back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe even if the Tuscans encounter that that town, he might, you know, then he'll know where the armor is. Kind of right, thing. right, There's right. These little threads that are coming back around still. Absolutely there. Are. So back at the Tuscan camp, the boy rushes in carrying the severed head of the desert Titan like a trophy. Proudly and ever so boastfully, the mm -hmm. boy shows off the head to his elders while Boba and the massive trail after them. So do you, I got that impression. I think, I think you did too, is that he was taking credit for this. Absolutely. He was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't that think the that only one in on it is, is dad. Oh yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk a little bit here about the, uh, and here's the other thing that this was another one that I just don't understand why people would complain about this. The, the creature itself, um, there's no denying that this thing is very much inspired by the work of, you know, stop motion, uh, animation, legend, Ray Harryhausen. 100%. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, I'm, right now, if you're watching, uh, uh you can see, uh, I've got some images here of the Kraken from the, the uh, 1981 Clash of the Titans. But then the other monster is the uh, Emir from the 1957 20 million miles to Earth. Now, I mean, right. if this if this creature is not a hybrid of those two, then I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, go ahead. I think that I, uh, the, some fans, maybe, maybe casual fans, I don't want to yep. insult them. <laughs> um, but maybe they just don't understand where, where it's all coming from. And maybe some of the younger 
fans uh, don't know how steeped um what what came what what how steep star wars is in what came before so it, george lucas has always been standing on the backs of giants yes and um you know there's a there's a really famous story uh, joseph campbell wrote a lot of uh, books about modern mythology and ancient right, mythology right. pretty much the the expert on on the authority once was invited by Lucas to Skywalker Ranch to watch the original trilogy and 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 said it was the best interpretation of the modern hero myth he had ever saw. So when Lucas takes, you know, and, and his entourage and his people, when you when you watch the right. behind the the uh, behind the mask where you listen to Dave Filoni talk about yep. Yep. Uh, what Lucas, you know, what what the, the things he would focus on to capture the essence of, like, you know, if it wasn't for being steeped in this Ray Harry Housen style, you know, stuff or the the serials from the 50s or or world war ii fighter plane movies or westerns or samurai films we wouldn't have star wars so when people say that it's derivative i I, it doesn't make sense to me because everything is derivative (laughs) yeah everything is derivative of something else but I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper on that because i mean anybody who balks at that you know why was there this janky looking thing that looked kind of it moved kind of jankily too right like almost like they were trying to emulate the the stop motion style come on man like star wars i mean without stop motion we would have no tauntauns no dobacks no adats no atsts and and, well this is it right so i don't know perfectly with all that it fit perfectly with all that absolutely it did so apparently now I heard somewhere that George Lucas had actually wanted to hire Ray Harryhausen for Star Wars, but couldn't get him. And that's how they ended up getting Phil Tippett. Right. But I mean, you, you look at that, talking about the backs of giants, right? So in Star Wars, you've got uh, Phil Tippett, you've got yes. uh, John Dykstra and right. Dennis Murren, right. all of whom worked uh, extensively on Star Wars. They all worked for ILM at one point, and they were mm-hmm. all directly inspired by the works of right. Ray Harryhausen. And all went on to have brilliant careers post Star Wars. Like this is it. Giants of the industry, those guys. So I mean, if if you've got issues with you know an, an homage to Ray Harryhausen, I think that this is just this is a beautiful way. I mean, let you know on the notion that George wanted to have Ray Harryhausen but couldn't get him. You know, is right. this not just a beautiful way to 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 say that Ray Harryhausen's legacy lives in Star Wars? And isn't that the creator's understanding? the essence of it yeah, yeah like i people some you know a lot more I, I i was joking earlier i want to go to somebody's house and straighten them out but <laughs> more and more the more i actually think about it it's like i don't want them as fans i don't want them as our peer group the, no the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the vitriol the crazy just hate for hate's sake like they they really don't have a place in our our house like no i don't think so either you know Unfortunately, yeah. as I, we've said it before, the fandom menace, it's a real thing. A and real thing. sometimes it's the loudest voice. Yeah. Uh, and there's always something to be said for pack mentality. I just, you know, I'm happy, you know, in our little isolated corner of the world, you know, sort of championing the, uh, right. you know, what yeah. is now. Um, Gatekeeping the gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right? I, I, I actually had a friend at, like at work, and I was like, you know, have you seen Boba Fett? He's like, no, but I read the reviews. I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that mentality at all. Yeah. I want 
my opinion handed to me before I can experience it for myself. You can't ever go back from that, regardless of how like strong you think you are or yeah. you, you can't read somebody else's opinion and then go in clean because you're going yeah, to be yeah, yeah, yeah. by of course, that. Of course. And yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. The, you know, his, one of his favorite thing is this uh, YouTube channel called all honest trailers. Oh, okay. I, like it's, some of them are funny for sure, but it's, it shouldn't be your gateway into a movie. No, no, you no. Know, like, a, you know, I, I certainly, don't uh, you know, critics and uh, critical analysis has a place. It's part of what we do here, but you know, uh, criticism for criticism's sake. Uh, I don't know. Right. Right. And it just looks like it's because it's getting the hits. It's, it's yeah. 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 The, their endorphins. And, and I, I, I just, I would say to anybody who's interested in anything, if you're passionate about it, why would you want to like spoil it before no, you get to experience it? First, no, you're right, right. You're right. You can listen to anything anybody has to say after you've formed your own opinion, but I think it's a real problem in society. Even that yep. people are, yep. are taking other people's opinions as rote. Yeah. 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 All right. Here's one opinion from us. Yeah. Based on the creature, they didn't really name it. They call it the behemoth. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes. Seven the, uh, times in the descriptive audio. <laughs> they called it a behemoth. That's true. That's Seven true. Times. Knowing that on Tatooine there are multiple species of, of crate dragon. dragon, yeah. How about this be known as the Kratekin? The Kratekin. I like it. I like that too. I like it. I like that too. And until uh, until there's an official uh, word on that, that's what we're going with. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Harry Lucasfilm. Harry that's uh, that's fandom power. <laughs> that's fandom power. You saw it here first. The Kratekin. Stamp it there. <laughs> All right. Right up there with Frog Mom. Yes, Frog Mom and Long Shore Mom. That's right. You heard it here first. That's right. Okay. So as the uh, as the clan gathers to congratulate uh, congratulate the boy on his victory, the chief and his wife emerge from their tent uh, to see what the commotion is. The chief, being keenly observant, notices uh, Boba flash a grin at the boy's elation, and the chief then knows the truth. Uh, and right there, Andy, there's your black melon there in his hand. Mm. Super clear. And we Looks get a like great a, shot of the two of these like characters board, yeah. in full daylight, which we've yes, seen them yes. either twilight or at night. And uh, he looks pretty regal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very know, much. Yeah, very regal. And without uh, without a sound, the chief approaches Boba and without even looking at him, hands him, the, hands him the black melon. The gesture is clearly meant as a thank you. And Boba takes a long and well-deserved drink before looking back toward the camp and then we cut to black and yeah. so ends the first episode stranger in a strange land episode one of uh, the book of boba fett let me get some wonderful wonderful production art yeah we oh, do man. i mean I did, I did not dig into do you want me to start adding those in eh. well there's one one the last shot they do in this one yeah is kind of weird because it shows boba on the throne yeah but he's still wearing the same gear from jedi oh i did see that yeah yeah so well, I mean, your concept art, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do with it, right? Yeah. So overall, now that we've gone through it, um, what do you guys think? We get predictions for next week? Uh, I, think, I think we're going to run out of flashbacks sooner than later. I don't. I don't. I think that the uh, two-thirds of this episode was flashbacks, and all we did was get, what, maybe one or two days of his life? True. I think we got five you, years to make up. Yeah, I think you might find that... Um, we follow the sort of Godfather two format and we tell two stories simultaneously. Yeah. The, the dual storytelling, which I got to be honest. Um, I, I had a hard time. Everybody saw the first season of the Witcher. Yeah. Not yet. So season one of the Witcher uses a similar uh, narrative uh, device where they, they tell things out of sequence over multiple time jumps. 
And I had a really hard time following that right up until the end. Whereas this, maybe because of the familiarity with the character and the locations, I really enjoyed the storytelling in this. And I, I hope we get more of it. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really interesting that it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's the way that he's being dragged through the desert on the rope is, is, uh, straight out of a Sergio Leone movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're going to find that they spend some time, uh, because all we've ever had is the, the armor did all the talking. I mean, the, yeah, certainly yep. the, you know, as bigger fans, uh, uh, not bigger fans, but knowing the Clone Wars stuff and the little, the little tidbits that we've read and, and sure, research sure. and stuff, but, but ostensibly on the surface, only everybody ever knows is that two minutes and, and eight seconds of really friggin' cool armor. And yeah. I think now we're going to actually get to know the man that was, was back there. And I think a lot of us are going to be surprised that we didn't, you know, even though we thought we know who he was, where I don't think we do. We don't, I, I think, we don't know who he is, yeah. but we're going so to find out to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's going to be right. a cool journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Stoked. yeah. Well, guys, I, I don't think there's any more I can add on that. That's a great way to uh, to wrap things up here. Only a couple more days to wait till the next one. A couple Woo! more days, and then we're right back into uh, uh, writing and uh, arguing and uh, kibitzing back and forth about well, what the hell are we watching. <laughs> Down more rabbit holes. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, it's what we love to do here, and we're uh, we're happy to be back uh, in the galaxy far, far away. We're happy to have you guys along for, uh, for the ride, so we hope that you'll uh, come back with us on the next seven weeks as we continue our little show here this one is the book of boba fandom here only on fandom power all the lore all the connections all the speculation you've come to expect from us we'll be back same time next week until then for fandom power i'm wes i'm andy i'm hank we'll talk to you later bye for now everybody hey guys thanks for listening to fandom power be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on instagram and twitter Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.